Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. That it may incriminate me. Uh, no, anyway, um, as far as al-Baghdadi goes, the uh, death of al-Baghdadi has been very revealing in terms of the leftist agenda. And it has showed us yet again that the establishment media hates Trump so much that they are ready to play the enemy of my enemy is my friend, even with somebody as vile as excuse me, as Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. The fact is that uh, they even contradicted themselves in doing this because for years, of course, we've been hearing from all sorts of establishment media outlets as well as uh, mainstream politicians of both parties that Islam is a religion of peace and has nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism. Even Karl Rove, the famous Republican strategist, said that again on Fox and Friends the other day after al-Baghdadi was killed. He said that ISIS had hijacked a great religion. Now, the contradiction came in the Washington Post when the Washington Post said that al-Baghdadi was an austere religious scholar, and they were ridiculed for this, immediately changed the headline. But the fact is that that was true. He was an austere religious scholar. He was, of course, also a mass murderer and a rapist. And the... uh, the admiring headline was because they hate Trump, but it was revealing in the sense that it showed that they really do know that Islamic terrorism is Islamic and that ISIS has everything to do with Islam and that people like al-Baghdadi who murder and rape in the name of Islam are actually doing it in accord with Islamic teachings, which they know very well because they are, like al-Baghdadi who had a Ph.D. in Islamic studies, religious scholars. Dan, do you want to jump in there and uh, give us your thoughts? Oh, I on do, this? I do. I have to, I have to, I have to add just a little bit of levity here. Um, I live in Southwest Florida, in Fort Myers, outside of Fort Myers, and there's a radio station here. And the morning, the morning talk guy has a person who impersonates Donald Trump every Wednesday morning with a little update, and so. When al-Baghdadi was killed, the fake Donald Trump came in and said, you know, that al-Bag-of-Donuts guy, so he calls him Bag-of-Donuts as opposed to Baghdadi. And I just I just howled at that. Um, the other thing is, my good friend IQ, who was on the phone with us, has corrected me many, many times to the point that I understand that Islam is not a religion. It is a philosophy, but it's not a religion. There is no recognizable God. And so that people think about it being a religion in the context of their own religion, and it isn't really. When you, when you look at the Quran, and as you pointed out, the rape, beheading, murder, of, quote, this religious leader, 
proves that it's not a religion because he's following the tenets of the Quran as to how to treat infidels. And all of us who are not Muslim are, in fact, infidels. I do think that he's very, very keen observation on how the left compromised its principles in order to try and make Donald Trump look bad. The only problem is the polling data says that the American people overwhelmingly support what he did. And so, again, the Democrats screwed up, haven't been able to figure out what to do. But I, I'm enjoying the, the discussion because I think your guest has, is right on target. IQ, do you have anything for us, my friend? Of course. Robert is one of the foremost authorities on Islam. I don't have to add or subtract. But I must correct my friend, Dan. I never said it was a philosopher. I said it's a cult belief system. Okay. The cult of Muhammad, which is a completely different thing. But still, it's not a religion. And I have absolutely right. no doubt Robert would agree with me. Would you? Well, I guess it depends on what your definition of a religion is. Uh, if the religion, if a religion is defined as something that exhorts people to be good, then certainly Islam is not a religion because it uh, is the very embodiment of the uh, phrase from the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah, where he says, "Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil," and that's what Islam does. So, if you define religion in that way, then no, it isn't. If you define religion more broadly as being something that claims to relate human beings to God, then yes, it is a religion. doesn't mean it's a true religion or that it actually relates human beings to God, but just that it claims to do so. But with all due respect, I'm sure you know this anyway. Allah is most definitely not the same as the God of the Bible. Allah is Muhammad. Allah was always Muhammad. The whole of the Quran... Yeah. Oh, we agree then. That's it. So there's no, no doubt about that at all. Yeah. Allah is Muhammad's sock puppet. Everything he wanted, he put in the mouth of Allah so that he could get it and people would say, well, this is what Allah wants. We have to do it. Yeah, one of the things that IQ and I've talked about is if it's not a religion uh, and it's a philosophy, it's a cult or whatever you want to call it, it's... Yeah, it's controlling principles, the Quran and Sharia law, have, and maybe this is an over-exaggeration, but other religions of the world in their history go through reformations where they make significant changes. I don't think that's taken place in Muslim. I, I think that the, the documents that were, they're using to govern the party, the behavior of the people, and what the rules are, are practically unchanged from the founding. Is that true? Yeah, uh, actually the Quran says in chapter 5, verse 3, this day I have perfected my, your religion for you. That is uh, Allah speaking. And so if it's perfect, then no reformation is, not, is either possible or necessary, because it's already perfect. You're only going to make it worse, not better. And so reformers have always, throughout the history of Islam, been killed as being uh, heretics or apostates. 
and no reform is really possible as long as people believe that the religion is perfect. Robert, uh, I th sorry, go ahead. No, I, I talked before to Dan and to James that, in fact, ISIS is Islamic reformation. They want to go back to the origin of Islam, not to the any day. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You agree with me? This is, uh, oh yeah, absolutely, 100%. Uh, there have actually been several reformation movements within Islam. The Wahhabis of Saudi Arabia are another, and in my book, The History of Jihad, I detail some of the earlier ones. The I'll, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking, but anyway, they're, they're in there. And uh, the uh, Almoravids, that's it. And anyway, the fact is that these groups all do the same thing that ISIS did. And that is, say, we're going to only do what the Quran says and what Muhammad says. We're only going to follow the Quran and Sunnah. That's it. And so they cut away everything else, and what they do is the embodiment of Islamic teaching. So, I, I, excuse me, I, I want to ask a question. Um, we have people in the world, uh, Christians and and Buddhists and and uh, Jews and non and, and, and no religion who will look at what's going on and say why doesn't the moderate wing of the Islamic faith rise up and get rid of these people and IQ has told us that if you if you have a person who believes in the Quran, they're Muslim. If they do not believe or believe that they don't have to follow certain tenets of the Quran, they are not a true Muslim, they're an infidel. And so the idea that there could be a reformation, there could be a rising up and and a uh, destruction of what we what they're calling radical Islamic. Uh, I don't see that ever happening. Do you? No, not really. I mean, of course, anything is possible in the world. A lot of strange, surprising things have happened in human history. But because the religion is perfect, as I explained, and also the Quran says in chapter thirty-three, verse thirty-six, it is not for a believing man when Allah or His Messenger have decided a matter that they should have any choice about it. And so if Allah and Muhammad have decided something, then it's not negotiable. It's not discussable. It has to just be accepted. And that also makes it uh, virtually impossible to reform. So you talked about some of the other groups. Uh, I, maybe it's the wrong way to characterize them, but as, as potential groups that tried to go back to the original tenets. But if there's been no change why do we need to go back to the original tenets if they're dealing with the way it was founded well there is Islam and there are Muslims and every individual Muslim may put into practice the tenets of Islam and he may not and this also happens on a large scale uh, what the reformers the Wahhabis especially charged, but also the Almohads and the Almoravids before them and many others, 
the Mahdi movement in Sudan in the late 19th century, and there were many of them, they uh, all said in various ways that the Islamic authorities of their day had strayed from the teachings of Islam. And the Wahhabis, for example, because they're more recent in the 18th century, they charged that of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was the caliphate. It was the supposed to be the only legitimate Islamic government. But the Wahhabis in Arabia rebelled against them on the grounds that they had they were not teaching and living out true Islam. And they fought them on that basis. And it's the same thing with ISIS. People often like to say, Barack Obama and others have liked to say that ISIS is not Islamic because they kill Muslims primarily. And it's true they kill Muslims primarily, but that doesn't mean they're not Islamic. That means that they think the other Muslims are not Muslim enough or not properly Muslim. And so as a, con- as a consequence of their not being properly Muslim, they're heretics and they deserve death. And they would be classified as infidels. Yes. Not true believers. So in exactly. the past, when these, when these groups have come up, what, what got rid of them? What within the structure of Islam and, and the Muslim organization, what got rid of these? And, and nothing, how will that relate? Nothing, nothing got rid of them. Those movements are all still around. Uh, the ones that I mentioned from the Middle Ages, the Almoravids and the Almohads, they, uh, are, they sort of faded into North African Islam, and they, uh, they, they, I, don't know that, I don't think that they are recognized movements still today, but their influence and the, uh, the way that they practiced Islam had a tremendous influence over Islam in North Africa. And the Wahhabis, of course, are still very much with us, with the Saudis spending billions, if not trillions of dollars, to spread Wahhabi Islam around the world. And here again, they confront other Muslims. They, uh, as a matter of fact, they go into Muslim countries and set up, uh, they have vans and booths and, you know, the kind of thing that you see in the United States as well with other groups. And they try to convince the Muslims in various local areas that they're not living out Islam fully and properly. And they've had great success with that. So there, in Europe, we have the influence of the Muslim, on, uh, Muslim people on the governments uh, and the leadership in many of the Western and Eastern European countries. And, mm-hmm. and because of their political correctness, they, uh, they have acquiesced to the demands of the Muslims and are slowly but surely losing their culture, their heritage, and their history. Yes, no doubt about that. And would you expect at some point in time that as much as ISIS did with the destruction of of property and religious symbols in the Middle East, that we would begin to see the destruction of religious symbols in Europe? We're already seeing it. We're seeing churches being burned. Yes, exactly. And the churches being burned... Uh, in many cases, go along particularly with uh, religious articles, crucifixes and statues being beheaded or defaced because Islam forbids the representation of the human form and also thinks that the crucifixion is a blasphemous twisting of what really happened to Jesus. 
And so uh, there have already there's already been quite a lot of vandalism and destruction of religious uh, buildings, Christian uh, artifacts in Europe. There's going to be a lot more of it because ISIS didn't make this up. Uh, the smashing of the uh, the the manifestations of non-Muslim religions. This is all something that is constant throughout Islamic history. Remember that right after. Uh, or right before 9-11, rather, the uh, Taliban blew up the huge Buddhist statues that were a remnant of the Buddhist presence that had been driven out by the Muslims uh, in Afghanistan. And this is something that we see as a constant throughout Islamic history, that when the Muslims take over a country or a territory, then they begin to vandalize and destroy the religious buildings of non-Muslims. This happened all over India, as I show in the history of jihad. There was the destruction of thousands of Hindu temples and the construction of mosques where they had been. So why do you think that the, in the case of Europe, why do you think they have acquiesced to this takeover? Are they afraid? Because they've lost. Yeah, they're afraid, certainly. And also because they've lost any sense of pride in their own culture. All these things go together. All these things uh, are part of the same motion. Uh, what I mean is, is that in the West, we have a whole generation or more of young people who have been raised to think that their country is racist and imperialist and colonialist and is the cause of immense trouble in the world. And they don't know about the history that makes the United States great. And so they don't value it, and they're not going to defend it against people who wish to support and destroy it. So when we have, um, so the, um, how, how much of that acquiescence to this reaction is also driven by the destruction of Christianity and Judaism in Europe, that it's dramatically falling and and people are no longer going to church or worship and have abandoned those moral compasses and moral principles how much of that well, you're absolutely right yeah it's it's huge because they don't have any purpose in their lives they don't have any focus they don't have any center they're just shallow materialists and so the muslims come in and they think oh they're, they're just another variety of these defanged toothless religions like uh, they're used to in Europe in the forms of uh, the various denominations of Christianity that prevail there, and they uh, don't realize that it is supremacist, authoritarian, violent, and absolutist. But also they have this big gap in their lives and in their souls that uh, Islam all too often is ready and willing and able to take advantage of. And we see again and again that uh, a great many converts to Islam become jihadis. So, um, do you have concerns about the United States and the rise of Muslims in the United States? Yeah, no doubt about it, because, of course, in the United States, they've already won, essentially. I mean, it ain't over till it's over, and they haven't taken over. But the fact is that any kind of resistance to Islamic terrorism, 
and to Sharia oppression of women and of others is so stigmatized and marginalized now that I don't see how we can possibly win. Uh, the mildest dissent, the mildest criticism of Islam is denounced as bigotry and racism and Islamophobia. The people who enunciate it are silenced, deplatformed, banned from social media. And so how can you win a war that way? You can't. It's just a recipe for defeat. I, um, I, I wrote uh, a trilogy plus one. Uh, called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile. It's, a, it's fiction. It's a story about radical Islamic nuclear terrorism against the United States. And when my first book came out and I started doing interviews on shows like Jim's all over the country, I would ask the host two questions. I said, what percentage of your listening audience has ever read any portion of Sharia law or the Quran? If I got 1% or 2%, that was a big number. The second question is, what percentage do you think of the elected officials at the federal, state, and local government levels have read Sharia law and the Quran? And they said, 1% or 2%. I said, then how can we, as a nation, defend ourselves against this terrorist activity if we don't understand the fundamentals of why they hate us so much and why they want to kill us. You're absolutely right. And even worse is the fact that the Obama administration actually forbade that kind of investigation. It prohibited the uh, mention of Islam and jihad in connection with terrorism and purged counter-terror training materials of any mention of Islam and jihad. So you have uh, years now of FBI agents, CIA agents, Department of Homeland Security personnel, various others, they don't have the slightest idea what they're dealing with in Islamic jihadis because they've been, uh, it's been forbidden for them to study it and to understand it. And of yeah. course, it's the oldest adage of warfare that you gotta know, you have to know your enemy. Exactly. And it's been official government policy that they're not allowed to know the enemy. I, I can speak from experience that I was on Facebook getting 30 to 40,000 hits a day, and I was banned from Facebook. And sure. I've never, never been surprised. able to get back. Yeah, I know. Never been able to get back on again. Um, is there in your mind, if I could move on, same, same church but a different pew, is there a fundamental difference between Shia and Sunni, or do they all fit in the same nice envelope in terms of this, what's going on? Well, in terms of jihad, yeah, there's no difference. They both believe the same things, and they even work together. Uh, the Sunni, the Shiite state, rather, the Shiite state of Iran uh, funds Sunni Hamas and Islamic Jihad in Gaza. And it has also funded the uh, al-Qaeda movement and the Taliban in Afghanistan. And so it, they certainly have sharp disagreements on many things, and they fight each other. They've fought each other for 1,400 years. But when it comes to jihad, they don't have any problem working together. One of the things that I, I wrote about recently was um, that we – 
as Americans do not understand how disruptive that the United States has become because it's energy independent. And I tell people, if you look back for 75 years, this country was dependent upon Middle Eastern oil for its energy supply and to make its economy grow. We've stopped that. And what, what dovetails to with what you're saying is that I believe <clears throat> there have been seven generations of Muslims who have fed at the trough of the revenue generated from oil. That's no longer happening. Uh, the price of oil is now uh, in, in the Middle East much lower than what it costs them to extract it out of the ground. They don't have the revenue to, to keep their, their people quiet. It's one of the big problems that Iran is experiencing is a lack of funding um, from oil revenue in order to take care of, of the people. And that's why you see more and more protests. But you're seeing more and more protests. One guy wrote an article said the new Arab Spring. No, it's not a new Arab Spring. It's a realization that they've lost power. And when they lost power, they lost the money. And they're probably never going to get, get it back. And so we're in for a very long period of time of further deterioration of the economies and the opportunities of the people in the Middle East who have been so tied to oil revenue. And that's not acceptable to the younger generation. They want the way it used to be. And uh, we don't understand that we're dealing with a huge problem of a fundamental shift of how things are going to function in the Middle East. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. And there's going to be uh, a great deal of strife accompanying it. And the more that we continue this willful ignorance about what's really going on, the worse off we're going to be be and the more ill-prepared to deal with it. Let me, uh, if I might, uh, change something just a little bit and go back to al-Baghdadi. Were you surprised that the number two was taken out shortly after Baghdadi was taken out? And what does that oh, mean? Oh, not at all, no. What does that mean in terms of the potential chaos within the caliphate? Well, it's clear that we know where they are and that we know what they're up to. And so uh, whoever uneasy lies the, the uh, crown, uh, the uh, Islamic State now can never be sure, its leaders can never be sure that they're not going to be taken out by the United States at any minute. And this is all to the good, really, because the more they are underground, the more that they are prevented from acting, the better off everybody is. So is it, does does the the members of the caliphate, the rank and file, if you would, will they become more and more frustrated? Is as you just pointed out that the leadership has to go underground and they can't be as visible as they would have been in the past. Does that cause a a a, a split in the uh, in Muslim people? Well, remember that Islam is very fatalistic, and so. Uh, Everything is Allah's will. If Allah wills that they be underground, they'll be underground. They're remarkably impervious to negative feedback because of that. If Allah wants them to lose, they're going to lose. 
and then they just remain faithful or become even more religious, and then eventually they'll win. And so I don't know that it'll be a major problem. I mean, just the fact that ISIS still exists after its caliphate has been destroyed and its leader dead is an indication that this is not a movement that is based around that was based around a charismatic leader, and not one that's going to go away anytime soon. Do we know anything about the the, the new person in charge? I've heard conflicting reports about who he is. Um, one of them is a Sharia judge, and the other, uh, I have not heard anything about exactly what exactly he's done. But I don't think there's any doubt that this is, it's going to be somebody who knows Islam very well and is an Islamic scholar like al-Baghdadi was. Hmm. IQ, back to you. Well, I'm so glad Robert is supporting exactly what I've been telling you for years. Now, the people who support you, the linking in America between terror Islam was there, Council of American Islamic Relations. I've always said that the only way for Westerns, not Westerns, not Western civilizations or civilizations to survive is to quarantine Islam. I mean it because there is no other solution whatsoever. But quarantine means this. If any Muslim in the West wants to follow Sharia, then they have to leave the country. Because every single war incites every single Muslim, every single fighting, in every part of it, to hate, undermine, and terrorize the very people they live amongst. Would you agree with me, Robert? I'm having a little trouble hearing, I'm sorry to say. So uh, I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I expect that I do agree with you because I know that you understand these things, and there isn't really a whole lot of variety of opinion on these matters when one understands the uh, nature of the of the jihad threat. But it is very hard to hear. And also, sorry to say, I have another show in a few minutes. So not not a problem. Not a problem. I appreciate you making uh, making time for us we're going to take a brief time out we'll come back with iq and dan perkins we thank robert spencer Thanks for being with us today and thank uh, you. we are going to take a brief time out when we come back we have got more coming up on the other side Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.